This week we read The Disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax. Hey, Nick, look at this. They're having a two-for-one sale on coffins. I wonder what that asterisk means. The game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final Podblum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast hosted by a man who actually used to sell graves and so can speak fairly capably to uh, <laughs> some of the wild <laughs> shit that happens in this story. Um, I am ever, am your door-to-door grave salesman, C.W. Hills, and uh, joining me here is Nick slash name. How you doing? Good. I, I'm so glad that little trivia is finally going to come in. Did you ever think that mm-hmm. your grave seller knowledge would come in useful in any context and Never much less life. a podcast that you host? No. That's great. No. I love Quite a it. lot about my life, uh, I have failed to predict in any useful fashion. <laughs> and this, this, uh, this I'm, ranks right up there. So you know how some malls, some shopping malls have, um, a little train for the kids that goes around the mall that you can yes. ride. There's one at my local mall that's hiring, and I seriously was considering trying to apply for that job just to say that Do I it. had it, just to like, oh, I'm going I'm so, to, oh, no, I yeah, will. like, <laughs> like, just listing all the plenty of jobs that are worth having. Just listing the, the myriad jobs I've had. Like, oh yeah, I worked at Barnes Noble. I worked at a ranch. I worked at Starbucks. I worked as the little guy conducting the tiny train in a mall. Toot toot. That was yep. me. <laughs> It'd be now, so much fun. Says, tiny train conductor. Yeah. Tiny, <laughs> Can you, uh... Or was the train... Don't worry about it. <laughs> Legally, there's a sir, tiny train and I can ask that. <laughs> Very good. Oh, my God. So, yeah. this, this story is pretty wild. Uh, it's, it is. It's, it's really bouncy. Uh, it's kind of like the Six Napoleons in that there's a lot of run, go, do, mm-hmm. jump, over there now. And, uh, it's also really Watson centric, which is refreshing. Yes, I love that. Um, like, unfortunately for Watson, cause he doesn't really have a good time in this story, but he does get to do he a doesn't. lot. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he mostly builds a playground for Holmes to frolic around in. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you start us off? Go ahead. What's going why, on? Why don't I? Uh, so. Uh, Why donut? Okay, so the story opens up, um, is that just a Y-shaped donut? I'm picturing like a maple bar, but it's, they God, should right? make letter, they already have O, they should just make the rest of the alphabet right? out of donuts. They really should. Alphabet. Yes. Alphabet God, soup, alphabet donuts, bar. right? You could be like, oh, my name's Nick, I will get the N. It'd be great. Come on. Business opportunity. Be baking. Yeah. <laughs> make with the triple maple bars, please. Oh. Oh my god, that'd be, just more maple I mean, don't bar. Don't get me wrong, I'm ex- I was going to say I'm excited to do our podcast, but I, but I everything else in the world <laughs> kind of pales in comparison to <laughs> maple bar right now. Actually, hold on, we're going to stop right here and just go each individually to our own local donut shop and exactly. get a bunch of donuts. going to head down to Circle K, which is a great place to get stabbed, but has surprisingly good donuts. <laughs> oh man. So, what is the crime rate like in your Arizona town compared to Lancaster, where you grew up? It's a different kind of crime. Uh, okay. Me- such, Less meth labs and more, like, guns, I'm yeah. guessing? Yeah, okay. Well, see, here's the thing. You would, you would think in such a gun-friendly town and culture, it's an open carry state, you would think that there would be more shootings. Um, and there aren't, there aren't none shootings, I'll give you that. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, 
See, here's here's the thing. As our friend Marlon Barnes once said, um, a good guy with a gun is still a guy who left the house ready to kill somebody that day. And yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like I I'm not I'm not here to say that like the good guy with a gun mentality is out there preventing gun crime. But, like, if you know that there are a bunch of unstable white dudes who just love playing army and would mm-hmm. take any chance to be a big hero who pulled his piece out and saved the day by killing a scary, probably ethnic man. Right. Like, I'm just saying. It's, yeah. <laughs> even if even if you're not, like, an, an ethnic man or engaged in pursuit of crime or anything like that, it's just, I don't know, there are a lot of white dudes with guns out here with shaved heads, and they're far too muscular, and I just, it, it is best not to tempt them. Right, there's a difference between taking down somebody and unarming them, like, or disarming them somehow, and just straight up killing them. And also, there's always exactly. that, there's always an element of, like, you don't really know what is going on. So yeah. in a moment of panic like that, like, and you're just shooting, like you could, you could, yeah, you could hit the guy, but you could hit a bunch of other right. people too. Are you willing you to take that chance? People. Like, yeah. And, and white men are, are taught not to, uh, not to worry about uncertainty and possible yep. unknown factors. White <laughs> men are told to just fucking go for it, dude. Go for it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So there's a, poli- there's a political corner for today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's been. Uh... I'm just waiting to hear about the first person who is killed, uh, gun or otherwise, because they were suspected of being uh, infected with coronavirus. I feel right. like it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I feel like everyone's just on their absolute end of the rope right now. Just, just yeah. seconds away. Anyway, so, uh, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not definitely. Uh, Definitely hoping Teetering no one on dies the brink. ever again. You're definitely um, not on a sleep. Definitely precipice. not. Absolutely, absolutely not ever. Um, no, I. <laughs> if never, if, not always. If I were to my my version of losing it completely and just going unhinged off the wall would just I would just disappear into the forest. Like I know that for a fact. Yeah. Like I, I know myself. I would just be. That's would, exactly what I would have said. Yeah. I would, yep. <laughs> that'd be it. I'm like, well, I'm off to go find Bigfoot and roast some marshmallows with yeah. him. See you guys later. Uh, <laughs> There's a Nick-shaped hole in yonder hedge. It just leaked out there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll see him again one day. Right. I'm doing like the Mario jump in the yep. in the imprint. Yeah. So, God bless. Yep. Well, what's going on with our Baker Street boys here? So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of classic Sherlock Holmes story isms in this one. There's there's a lot of uh, yep. things we see a lot in the stories all combined. And as you said, it in this story it works really well. Uh, it's it stuff you're, it's, it's stuff you've tropey. seen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of tropes, but they, uh, they, they've all got a good, uh, a good place. It starts out, um, at Baker Street. Watson's sitting there. Holmes starts deducing things about him. Uh, yep. he, uh, he tells Watson that he was at the Turkish baths recently. And Watson's like, well, all right, Holmes, how did you know that? And right. Holmes tells him something about his boots were tied differently. So he knew that the bath attendant did it and something right. or other about, yeah, and my my thought on that is that as always, this is impressive only because it works. Like, mm-hmm. what if Watson had just learned a new knot? Like, what if and he was just up trying with an it out? Buddy? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and his army buddy was like, "Hey, I have a navy buddy who taught me this knot." And like, how often is Holmes like elaborately wrong? Right. Like, like I want to see that. Wrong. I want to see just this yes, long yes. train of deductions. 
and someone just, just being like, burn. someone just being like, oh no, I just wanted to try out a new knot. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. No, I saw I saw a YouTube. I saw a life hack. Yeah. And I mean, they. The, one of the things I kind of liked about that in the BBC Sherlock is that they do do that a couple of times, where Holmes yeah. is like, I definitely have it 100%, and it's just some random thing that has to do with technology usually, or like, yeah. that is just like, oh, well, you didn't see, you couldn't have seen that, because there's just, people are just weird, and there's so many variables. Uh, yeah, like in the very <laughs> first one, in uh, in in Study in Pink, mm-hmm. the, uh, the bit about um, John's phone uh is all scratched up because the because you know the former owner was a drunk and rah 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 yeah and yeah, Sherlock yeah. deduces all of this and says and you're your brother Harold or whatever <laughs> and uh yeah he turns out he was right about everything except it was John's sister yeah right which was a thing that there was no you just can't reason yeah <laughs> e- exactly yeah. yeah um which is actually that thing is a throwback to um I forget if that was in the book and if that was in Study in Scarlet but I remember actually listening to okay the guy okay this is wild okay this is triple <laughs> wild uh so one of my coworkers at High the Train one of High my coworkers train. at Blockbuster in Lancaster was a man named Derek Cohen's uh Cohen's and he Cohen's like, like with an S at the end. With an Weird. S at the end, and there is a story behind that. I've never seen it that way. Okay. Maybe we'll have him on the program sometime. Okay. But um, he is the one who got me into the Dresden Files, and he is also the one, I just remembered this now off the top of my head, <laughs> he lent me a whole a whole stack of CDs of Sherlock Holmes audio plays. Like, oh my god, like man staged. after my own heart. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and I'm just now putting this shit together. Wild. Anyway, there's a story in there uh, about the the same thing, like with the with the watch that had the scratches on the back because of the because of the key was being turned mm-hmm. by a drunk and whatnot. And I forget if that's in Study in Scarlet or not, but um, yeah. Anyway, a whole bunch of things just coalesced in my head. That was weird. That's, awesome. uh, that's so <laughs> whack that his name was Cohen's though. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, he is he uh he is a gentleman of color. And his story was that uh, he it, the name was Cohen several mm-hmm. generations back, but that they were expelled from the family for one of his ancestors uh, marrying a black man. Mm. So wow. they said you can keep you can keep the Cohen, but you're putting an S on there like as an asterisk. Oh, all right, weird. Um. Yeah, because white people are petty as shit. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. All right. Yeah. Cool guy though. That's awesome. He's the coolest fucking dude. And I really <laughs> hope we can we can get him on here because he's responsible for a lot of the things that I know and love in my life in that way that you don't really realize like a new friend introducing you to something can be. Oh my like, god, I always need more Holmes uh Sherlock Holmes loving friends more for sure. Homies. Yeah, we'll see if, we'll see if we can get him on here. Mm. So, okay, but we're 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 one item into the story. <laughs> right. Boots boots have been laced in a weird way and yeah. Holmes is being precious mm. about it. Go yeah. on. So, um Eventually, uh, after, after this little deduction show for Watson, uh, Holmes finally gets to the point. Deduction junction. Uh, Holmes finally gets to the point and, uh, starts, uh, talking about this, uh, uh, well, he, he starts talking about women who, single women who are traveling alone are a extremely at, at risk for crimes happening to them. All the single ladies. Group of, uh, people. And, we just happened to, um, I just happened to know about one at the moment. Uh, the lady Frances Carfax has, dis- has disappeared recently and mm-hmm. she is, uh, described as the, uh, Holmes is telling Watson this. Uh, she's the sole survivor of the family of an Earl. So pretty well off family. She's a, she's a middle aged yep. lady, uh, and, um, heiress to the Carfax fortune. 
Except not really, because uh, the line for the fortune went by the males. So she has some jewelry Correct. that's worth a pretty okay amount of money. Like she's not she's not suffering too much, but she did definitely miss all of the. She's all right. Well, she, yeah, she she can afford to be like an independently wealthy like nomad. Yeah, basically. So she's traveling around, and then she just kind of disappears one day. They haven't heard from her for weeks, and uh, the way that they realize she's missing is she writes a letter to her old governess regularly. I think it's like every other correct. week, uh, and like she hasn't written one for five weeks. So they so the governess is like, "This is really strange." She's the one who came to Holmes and with the case and said, "Can you can you try to find out where she is?" And, uh, Holmes is, uh, like, well, I'm, I've got a case going on at the moment, uh, so Watson has to go, and, and it's one of the, like, Watson, I choose you, kind of, kind of things where, like, okay, here's, here's how I interpreted that, because, mm-hmm. first of all, I didn't, I didn't believe for a second that Sherlock wasn't following Watson, but, <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the way Holmes says, because he, he says, uh, okay, uh, it's a great about, quote. Let me, let me, yeah. It is it is a great quote, but let, let me back up just a little bit. Um mm-hmm. so he's done a little research and he says that uh single ladies must live and their passbooks, meaning like their checkbooks, mm-hmm. are compressed diaries. So the second to last check was uh to the hotel she was staying at in Switzerland. Yeah. Um and when Holmes looked at her accounts, which I guess is a power he just has cuz like there's no criminal case yet. Like there's no right? jurisdiction. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you need a warrant saw... for that? I I don't, he's just Sherlock Holmes. He, he can do what he, he wants, can do I, guess, he wants. I guess. Yeah. Well, you see, here's the thing. Maybe he just broke in. Like, maybe he pulled a Moriarty's office and just, like, did some light crime. Maybe, I, if I had to guess, he probably just shows up at wherever you can look at people's bank accounts yeah. at the banks so often that people are like, okay, who is this guy? And he eventually, right. I don't know, maybe it's just like, look, I'm going to He probably him. has permission to be here. Probably. It's fine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and Well, anyway, he, he saw that the second to last check that was written uh, was to uh, the, the woman in question, uh, Lady Frances Carfax, uh, was written to her maid, uh, Marie Devine, for 50 pounds. Now, Nicholas, welcome again to the most beloved regular feature here on the final podlin Casey's Currency Conversion Corner. So, All right. My favorite show. How many pounds? 50 pounds, 1911. What do you think that translates to to pound 2020? It's actually pounds 2019 because the converter I use online doesn't have 2020 numbers yet. So okay. pounds 2019. 50 pounds 1911 to pounds, pounds 2019. What do you think? I feel like the conversion rate is pretty big. Maybe a thousand dollars? Thousand dollars? That seems like a wedding. 5,900 pounds. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Which is uh, $7,700. So that's, that is a staggering amount of money. That that made it set for life. (laughs) And and I want to be clear, the the research thing I used to figure that out says that that's not like a direct, like one to, what it is is buying power. So 50 pounds could buy the same amount of stuff as 5,900 pounds. It's not like, it's not like a direct one-to-one monetary math thing. I don't know. I'm bad at math. I don't, yeah. (laughs) But still. So anyway, it is it is super suspicious that the very last thing or the second to last thing this lady did was give her give her maid you know eight thousand dollars and yeah. vanish. Yeah, and Holmes Holmes says, yeah, it's a big mystery, uh, but I'm confident that quote your researches will soon clear the matter up. And Watson's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, My uh, researches? Of course. <laughs> Feel free to telegraph. Have fun. Buy me a present. And then he just like shoes him out of the room. Right. Like I assume you don't have anything else going on. 
<laughs> Watson's got to be used to this by now. Um, yeah. So yeah. So Watson's got to be used. Watson goes to Switzerland, and um, yep. I actually learned Watson something unleashed. interesting. <laughs> so I actually learned something interesting about Switzerland. Uh, I've actually been Tell there me. before. Uh, it's probably oh, one of, of course you have. the my, the favorite places that I've been. So in uh, elementary, nope. Middle school, uh, they did. Yeah, you went to Desert Christian. Um, they, uh, they would do uh, like school trips to other countries. Yes. And uh, one of the trips was a like package. It was Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. And oh, it was man. just one of those tour. Like you, you were led. You couldn't really go wherever you wanted. It was like you were going to this location, this location. Right. It was unreal. There was And I, but I was freaking like I was fourteen or something. I was like, this is the best thing ever. It was the coolest trip of my yeah. life. Um. And I'm just happy not to be having the Bible chanted at me. Right, right exactly. So, um, I went on that trip and, uh, it was, it was just amazing. I, uh, I wish I could go back and be able to choose where I went, uh, mm. because it was just a lot of like the big things to see there, which is cool if you've never been there. Uh, but I was pretty young and we didn't really get to stay very often at the one cool thing. One of like the coolest bits was we went to a church with a organ in there. And I think it was either, mm. okay. It was either Mozart or Beethoven. Um, it was in Austria and he had like played at that church or something. And I had taken piano. Le- Salzburg. Yeah. I yeah. Think? I think so. And I had taken piano lessons at the time. So I was like, I know who that is. That's cool as hell. Um, <laughs> my dude. Yeah. Do you want to hear the absolute goddamn wildest thing? Yeah. When I was in third grade, my mother took her mother on a tour of Europe because they were both uh, huge classical music and chorale nerds, mm-hmm. and they visited that very cathedral no with the giant way. organ. How much of our lives, how much else of our lives is just okay. linked somehow that we don't know about? <laughs> Are we actually brothers or something? Who knows? We might actually be brothers. <laughs> uh, peek behind the Patreon curtain, listeners. In the pre-show, uh, we were just talking randomly, and it turns out that Nick and my mother were friends because she worked in the school library <laughs> of the school we both attended and uh i don't know the the inter the intertwining lattices of of our lives just keep getting more and more connected i mean if it makes so, you feel better she never it's not like she ever told me anything about you i didn't know anything about you until you introduced yourself to oh, me by bowing dude, there was nothing to know <laughs> no it's just it's like this the coincidences just keep getting less and less likely but truer and truer so you yeah. and my mother stood in the same building <laughs> years <laughs> apart and yep. now see here's the thing cuz i I've, I've told i've told her she i actually got her to read uh study in scarlet because she'd never read a sherlock holmes and she said i want to li- read this book and listen to your program which was very unexpected uh and Aww. i i've told her yeah this cool this cool guy nick with whom i'm doing this show he's super awesome he went to desert christian too we you know we didn't really connect then but we're friends now mm-hmm. so i'm 100% sure she doesn't know i'm talking about you probably not almost certainly not like 100% no. not. <laughs> no. She cannot possibly know. But like, damn. I'm going to blow her goddamn right? mind. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's oh. wild. Uh so anyway, yeah. So I uh Yeah, sorry. Okay, that's sorry. Okay. This, this that's just That's all right. No, but what like What is uh, life? What is life? Jeez. Uh, but Switzerland's really, beautiful. Here's the thing. Here's the point of that. Yeah. Th- well, life, life is beautiful. But here's the <laughs> thing. We're talking about it, this like it's some huge cosmic, uh, coincidence. As, as Bright Eyes said, an infinite coincidence that doesn't form a plan. But like really, 
doesn't it just speak to how fucking small the Antelope Valley is? <laughs> yeah, the the social circles yeah. are like the size of an Oreo. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. I did meet some amazing people, though. You and Dylan are seriously, like, the coolest yeah. people ever. I'm so glad that I know you guys. Yeah. yeah, for real. My life uh, would be far less good. And enjoy- I don't even want to think about what my life would be like without uh, the people <laughs> I met in the AV. And this mm-hmm. is not relevant to Sherlock Holmes, but it is relevant to loving your friends, which is always important and always good. Tell your friends that you love and appreciate them. So there. Yes. And it truly does not yeah. matter where you come from or the circumstances of your birth, but nope. what you do with life, the gift of life that matters i was trying so hard to remember that mewtwo quote from the pokemon i was gonna say you're definitely quoting mewtwo (laughs) i just (laughs) i don't have it memorized yet um yet but (laughs) oh fun fact uh last one i promise before we go on with the story my Mm -hmm. surprising no one my high school senior quote was from the sherlock holmes stories it was uh it was um life is a series of lessons uh watson with the greatest for the last i can't remember which story it's from but i just was like it it's school it's sherlock holmes i can get away with it so that's very good yeah it's good uh my senior quote uh was actually chosen for me by someone else because they rejected my initial one uh, my initial <laughs> one which was what my initial one was the the last line of uh good omens by neil gaiman and sir terry pratchett mm-hmm. and it said uh there was never an apple that wasn't worth the trouble you got into for eating it which <laughs> is not at a christian is school? not a message that a christian school is going to be apt to approve of <laughs> that's really fun they're like this seems a little sacrilegious this wait a minute hold on i I don't know about that one so what was your actual quote then oh i don't remember i don't know like (laughs) i don't care something for me they just put it in there (laughs) you're like whatever from stephen king though which actually if you think about it yeah makes even less sense but (laughs) that's that's desert christian for you all right. Uh, Desert Christian. So Switzerland. Yes. Um, so Watson just goes to Switzerland, uh, for Holmes. Yeah. Uh, he's like, well, this is the last, uh, uh, hotel that Lady Frances was seen at. So Watson goes to the hotel. He talks to the manager of the hotel and the head waiter who was engaged to the maid of Lady Frances. Correct. So that's and why. And is still. And is, yeah, is still. And that's how he knows a little bit of what was going on there. Um, correct. Fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact for Casey, anyway. <laughs> uh, this hotel, uh, is located in the, su- in the French speaking part of Switzerland on the shores of Lake Geneva. Lake hmm. Geneva, Wisconsin is where, uh, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson created Dungeons and Dragons together. Oh. Which is the reason Dylan and I are friends, which is the reason I reconnected with you, which is the reason <laughs> we're doing this podcast. The time is a flat circle. Yep. <laughs> It is. This is just the episode where the entire universe just makes sense, and we reach Nirvana. Uh, the I world guess. is a machine in the mind of God, and we are all just gears. <laughs> really is. Wow. Um, I'm loving this episode so far. So anyway, uh, yeah, this real Swiss, good energy on this one. <laughs> this the Swiss real real like Twilight Zone energy here. Um, so, but like one of those happier Twilight Zone episodes where it's like 
Everything's like weird, but like in like a good the, way. Like yeah. kick the can. Yeah. 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 Like the like the nice guy wins in the end. Um Exactly. Because there as we all know, there there are two there are there are three kinds of, of Twilight Zone. There episodes. are <laughs> there are scathing, absolutely caustic social commentaries. Mm-hmm. There are haunting, beautiful illustrations of the fragility of life and that we should not fear death, for it is just the next step. And there's Rod Serling woke up that day and remembered they would need to film something. <laughs> and then there's the what the fuck is going on episode exactly. where there's a gremlin on the wing of the airplane and William Shatner's freaking out. Uh, Correct. And there's a cowboy times. with a gun just sitting there on the airplane. <laughs> I love Twilight Zone so much. Um, got me into science fiction single-handedly Twilight Zone reruns. Uh, so the Swiss flag is one of three flags that is not rectangular. It is square. The Swiss flag is actually square. It's not a rectangle. I bet you didn't know that. Now you do. The other two I flags. I did not know that. The non-rectangular flag, flag squad of the world is Switzerland, which okay. is a square. Um, right. Vatican City, which is also a square. And sure. Nepal, which is two triangles on top of oh, each Nepal. other. Cause fuck everyone else. <laughs> so yeah, that's your, uh, fun flag facts for today. Uh, I wish we were recording Those on Friday because it would facts. be fun Friday flag facts, but it's, thursday so yeah uh so watson's in lausanne switzerland uh yes uh watson is received by the manager he speaks to the bus boy lady francis and her maid both uh were well liked and they stayed there for some weeks they weren't mm-hmm. rabble rousers or anything and i like we don't think of hotels as being like long-term uh residence kind of places not anymore that yeah. Not anymore. No, but that was the way for a long time. It was mm-hmm. the Grand Budapest Hotel scenario for a very long time. People right. would just come for like an entire season and hang out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not see that she had any jewelry, but she did have a locked trunk in her room. Yeah. So her maid was engaged to the head waiter there at the hotel. And for this reason, it is not difficult to track the maid down in Montpellier, which I believe is in France. My geographic knowledge uh, as an American is extremely weak, but most of Europe is like right all up on, it's all, on they're the all rest neighbors. of Europe, right? Yeah. They're all right. Yeah. They're all right there in that clump. Yeah. So Watson feels very proud of himself. Yes. No, Watson's like, according to him, according to John, he's doing great. He's he's getting all the information. Holmes can't possibly yeah. say anything about it this time. He definitely is on the right track. There's no way Holmes can critique him. And nope. and uh A flawless performance. And so five he, stars. So next, Watson learns of uh Lady Frances, who, who she was, she was, she wasn't causing a lot of, she wasn't causing any rabble at the hotel, but she was, uh, interacting with some people, one of whom was, uh, a dark haired, I think, uh, bearded man who she was seen talking to, uh, mm-hmm. seriously a couple of times, but he, he, he was kind of, he was kind of suspicious. And then there yeah, was, she uh, wasn't buying what he was selling. She wasn't and buying she whatever. Took off immediately after he showed up. So this, this tall, dark, a uh, man described as a savage, un sauvage. Uh, and here's mm-hmm. the thing. Doyle is just like straight up reusing characters because this is, this is 100% yeah. <laughs> Mr. Roylott, right? <laughs> right. No, we've seen this guy so many times. No, this is like, I don't know. There, there's quite a few stories where, um, there's a mysterious man who 
is originally shown as like, this is going to be, he's suspicious. He's like, everyone's like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's kind of rough around the edges or whatever. But he ends yeah. up being like, oh no, it was secretly her lover who was just worried about exactly. her well-being and just had a really rough appearance. And this is like the third appearance of that guy. Uh, but in yeah. this one, he's, yeah, he gets a name and everything. But yeah, so you, so this guy, uh, you, you don't know about that yet. He, uh, <laughs> Good job. Um, Good job, bud. I, I don't know. It's, it's self burn. Those are rare. I, yeah, right. Um, then for me, no, <laughs> they're not. Uh, no, but so yeah. This this guy this guy's being a skulking foos. He's mm. uh, trying to have her attention. She's not having any of it. So she takes off the next day uh, for Baden, which is, I believe, in Germany, and literally, ju- I believe that just means like the baths, or referring to like the the baths. I think they have hot springs there. Oh, I cool. could be wrong. Yeah. So, uh, Watson arrives there at Baden to where she had forwarded and learns that he is not the only one on her trail, that the savage Briton has been skulking about here as well. He has followed her and he is skulking about asking questions that nobody has any right to ask. So Watson paints the picture that this, quote, good and pious lady, quote, is being stalked by this dark British beast savage man um, whom she fears, or else why would she run away with him? So the question now becomes, like, is she dead now? Because before they didn't, ju- they just didn't know. Is she dead? Is she right. missing? Has she gone somewhere else? And signs are pointing towards her being captured or killed or mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah. where has gone this lady? Uh, Watson follows her luggage to Baden, which I believe mean, means like the bath place where they got like some hot springs or some famous restorative baths, like where you go to calm the nerves and similar, uh, mm-hmm. where she stayed for two weeks. And she met a couple there. Like you do. You go on vacation. You meet some nice people. You trade Facebooks. You meet <laughs> uh, Dr. Schlesinger and his wife, who are missionaries to South Africa, where they do not goddamn belong, uh, where she... <laughs> Um, she and the unnamed wife together have been helping Dr. Schlesinger to recover from a disease, which he never would have contacted or contracted, rather, if he just minded his own business. Right? <laughs> Missionaries be like, oh, Africa. no, I went to a country right? where I didn't belong and got a disease. Yeah. And Scott's so she well. has attached... She has attached herself to these people, Mm -hmm. and he paid the bill, and the three of them departed uh, all together shortly after her maid left, and her maid left in tears for an unknown reason. And it is at this point that we learn uh, Watson is not the only one following her, that this this savage British man, this big abominable Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. has been skulking around asking questions as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he's been seen and noted by people, uh, and is just being generally suspicious as Watson's also making inquiries. And Watson, uh, so Holmes, uh, sends Watson a telegram in response to Watson's, uh, detail of how well he's doing on the case and all the information he's gathered. Quote, to Holmes I wrote, showing how rapidly and surely I had got down to the roots of the matter. In reply, I had a telegram asking for a description of Dr. Schlesinger's left ear. Asking for a description of Dr. Schlesinger's left ear. And Watson is just like, LOL, oh, Holmes, and ignores it. He doesn't reply to it. Uh, and by the yeah, way... and which, what the hell? <laughs> well, He's known Holmes for more than 15 minutes. Why would you dismiss that? It is very stupid that he dismisses it. It doesn't really make... It's it's very much a dumb, dumb move on Watson's part. But to be yeah. fair, he has already left uh, the hotel where... Schlesinger was staying. He's so already he, left Montpellier. So even point. if he was going to go ahead and pursue that anyway, he didn't have a chance. He was already gone. But um, yeah. from the second that telegraph 
was mentioned, I knew, I instantly remembered the rest of the story because yeah. <laughs> this is a thing that Doyle does where Holmes asks a really weird question about a character yeah. in specific and you're like, yep. that's a crime zone. That is a big crime yeah. man right there. And he's definitely murdered some people or at least embezzled. Holmes doesn't take an interest in non-crimesmen generally. He, no, he knows. And they all, and, and Doyle has a very like, I don't know. This is kind of like, it strikes me as kind of a Batman type of thing where all of the villains have just their own thing. Either like they've got a scar or some noticeable, just some noticeable thing that that you don't see just generic pretty men out here on Holmes's list of most wanted, London's most wanted kind of, you know, kind of group here. But, uh, so yeah, so that, that immediately tipped me off and I remembered the whole story from there, but I will not disclose the whole rest of the story right then. No. Right now, because we have to, we have to, gotta maintain suspense here. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so bad. I have no, like, sense of presentation at all. I don't know why I'm doing a podcast. I'm just like, so here's what happened in the story. Uh, <laughs> hope you I don't. spent, I spent 200 of our Patreon dollars today buying an advertisement for this show on another podcast I love, and I really hope that this episode is the first one people listen to right. when they come over. <laughs> this, this Nick guy has no idea what he's doing. Um, no, Nick is but... amazing. <laughs> Nick is trying his best, okay? But yeah, so, um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so, uh, so Watson... <laughs> So Watson's out. <laughs> Let me do this. I'm trying so hard. I'm, I've got a podcast Go here. So <laughs> Casey, do you mind? I'm trying. I'm trying to finesse. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. The most yeah, I've are. ever done production value wise is like one time I opened the book and flipped some pages and then shut it again specifically just to create some background noises. I wasn't actually looking oh, it at was the great. I remember that. Referencing. I was just like, oh, this will be the train is good background noise. I'll add some more. It was amazing. It was mysterious and spooky and romantic. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, so what's going on here? So. So Watson's at the uh the next place, the next hotel, and he sees the yeah. he sees the bearded man again, and at this point he's jumped to the conclusion, okay, this guy obviously has he's involved somehow. He must yeah. know something about her. Uh and so he kind of just assumes that he's the big bad here and uh he Not unreasonable. He does he does a couple of interviews at the hotel and then he sees this guy again and he kind of just snaps and runs out to him and approaches him and is like he doesn't really know what to say it's awkward because he doesn't know this guy you there he doesn't even know what his name is and he's like i can't ask for this guy's name i'm just i don't know i he just kind of impulsively is like where's the lady francis carfax he asks he just asks him directly and this guy is uh-huh. just like immediately just attacks watson Dude he just looks flips just flips out and um watson gonna is, bend him like a fireplace poker yeah and watson is a pretty good fighter, I would imagine, and it's kind of been shown earlier in in various yeah, stories. But this guy's capable. This guy's huge and uh, gets gets a leg up on Watson. And in the middle of the fight, uh, a, a random French workman uh, mm-hmm. helps helps Watson get away. Yeah, get, helps helps Watson get away from him, and immediately is like, 
well, Watson, you ruined this whole thing, and it's Holmes. It's Holmes, surprise. And, of it's Holmes. <laughs> and, and in disguise. If you hadn't guessed that, yeah, Holmes is, surprise, Holmes is there the whole time. Uh, well, and, and see what it is, is he springs, he springs in the guise of the ouvrier. He springs from the, like, the, over to the side, and he's got a cudgel. He's got a, he's got like a club yeah, in his Yeah, where'd hand. he get that? And this dude, <laughs> this dude's making for to strangle Pate Watson, and he just reaches out and goes like, bah! And just <laughs> bashes him over just, the head with a club. <laughs> Just he just him. has. This is very yeah, good. it's great. <laughs> it's just, well, um, way to fuck things up, John. Yeah. Uh, so, what am I gonna do with my other seven disguises now? He <laughs> <laughs> just got a suitcase full of aliases. Um, exactly. Yeah, the prestige. <laughs> and and also the other thing is, there's never a reason given why Holmes is in disguise. Nope. It's not like anyone involved in this case would know who he is. He's, he's in, got a costume budget. Okay? He's not in Every London. Year, he's in Switzerland. It's like if he it, doesn't use up his costume budget, he gets less the next year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So yeah. So it's Holmes. He brings Watson back to the hotel room and is like, "All right, I'm going to catch you up on uh what you've been doing so far and why the, uh-huh. why you did just a horrible job all around and how badly uh, you have goozled this how badly you yeah <laughs> quote the total effect of your proceeding has been to give the alarm everywhere and to discover nothing owned mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he also goes on i cannot recall at the moment any possible blunder which you have omitted <laughs> yeah rude <laughs> he's a thorough failure if nothing else right watson uh yeah so so um holmes uh holmes is like uh, i've got someone important to this case he brings in yeah. the uh the dark-haired fellow who's introduced allow me to introduce you to a bigfoot right and and uh and he is introduced as uh the honorable philip green he was uh he was a friend of lady francis in the past uh friend kind of like crush they both they both liked each other but she didn't want to yeah. marry him because he was poor basically right. <laughs> he didn't have a lot of money well, and and kind of if not a crimesman he was at least implied to be well, like he he only says wild like they don't mm-hmm. they don't go into it but like he had to leave the country at one point like yeah he, so he's he, a, he's a rough character somehow we don't he know he got if up he, to some stuff yeah we don't yeah. we don't know exactly what he got up to but he's you would yeah. hear about him in a Jim Croce song yeah absolutely <laughs> he's not very respectable uh, and therefore she unfortunately can't marry him but he still loves her and is concerned for her well being. Uh, yeah. he's also the son of an, uh, admiral in the Crimean War, so he's got that going for him, for, like, points, I guess. Crimea. Because Res- yes. he has to be respectable somehow, he can't just be some random rough, I guess, to Doyle, I don't know. Um, uh-uh. but, he's, so he's introduced to Watson, he's like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I almost choked you out there. Uh, <laughs> Watson's like, we're good, apparently. Sorry I almost completely <laughs> destroyed you. Apparently I'm just not no a good detective, uh, and I just can't figure anything out, Sherlock, and I should just never try, ever. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and I just... Dad. I just imagine him being, like, really salty to Holmes yep. after this whole, just like, I'm not talking to you anymore, silent treatment kind of thing. Do you have any idea how long I've sat on a train in the past week, right? Holmes? <laughs> I went to Switzerland for you, by the way. Uh, but thanks. So anyway, I just love Sassy Watson is just the best. Uh, I love a Rock Watson that good. does not roll over and just take Holmes's criticism. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, uh, this, so Philip Green's introduced. He, uh, yeah, he's he's basically just following Lady Frances around, concerned for her well-being. He doesn't know where she is either, and he would like right. to. And 
Holmes gives him, uh, Holmes is like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know, uh, you might, you know her pretty well, so you might be useful in this investigation. Here's my card. Yeah. Uh, contact, I'll, I'll contact you if we find out anything. Uh, and then they, they go back to London because Holmes already knows what's, what's up. He knows who's, who's involved right. here. Uh, the reason he asked about the, how, um, Dr. Schlesinger's ear looked is because there's a famous crimesman named Holy Peters and yep. the English woman named Fraser that she, that he works is cohorts so with. So good. And, uh, this, this duo is, uh, uh, pretty well known by Holmes for specific, and Holmes knew who he, or guessed who he was specifically because of his, uh, uh, mo- modus, the circumstances. A modus operandi. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what I was looking for. Um, this guy basically is just known for doing this exact thing where he takes religious women yeah. who are alone and who have some money and just kidnaps just them basically them to, but good. to get their money. And so that's what's going on here. Uh, so now they have to go back to London and, uh, follow them basically and try to find out where they are now. They get back to London and this proves to be extremely hard. Uh, they put out advertisements, they put out notices, they're like, anyone know anything about this guy? Holmes knows nothing where doing. he typically hangs out, and they go to those places still, nothing there, really deep in hiding. The only way they find out, uh, where he, they, where he is, is eventually he's, uh, um, Dr. Schlesinger shows up at a pawn shop and starts selling off the, uh, Lady Francis's jewels and belongings like okay he started selling mm-hmm. the stuff we know at least where he's been recently he'll probably return to this pawn shop because he got a good price for it or whatever uh he talks to the right. pawn shop owner so having spoken to the pawnbroker, uh he arranges for uh bigfoot green the jolly green giant mm-hmm. to hang out there at the pawn shop because he is very anxious to do literally anything to help it talks right. about how his clothes begin to fall off his frame like he's losing weight he's super nervous uh, yeah, he yeah. is not doing okay. Right. Um, he's losing his Bigfoot powers. Uh, <laughs> no longer does he have the healthy musk that one associates with a Sasquatch in good in good shape. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty smart too, because they are in London now, and Holmes is pretty well known. Like, if he's gonna exactly, yeah. yeah. If he if he were to wear a sus- to disguise, it would be in London, not Switzerland. But whatever, <laughs> whatever to well. Yeah, well, um, you would think. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. So if Lady Frances is alive. The people who have captured her, Holy Peters and Fraser, mm-hmm. Fraser, whatever, yeah. um, they, they can't, they won't be able to let her go mm-hmm. because she's gonna go to the police. So yeah. it's really just a matter of time until they kill her. But and it is a pretty really big if, can do. if she is still alive because Holmes Exactly. There's is really like, no reason to assume that. Yeah. Holmes is like, oh, by the way, this duo is not just like, they're extremely dangerous. He describes them as astute and dangerous, uh, a most infernal couple who will stick at nothing. And says yeah. that it's a it's a strong possibility that Lady Francis is dead, uh, but we don't know yet. So we're gonna assume, hopefully, that she's not, and keep pursuing Correct. this. Yeah, yeah. So the Jolly Green Giant uh, hangs out at the pawn shop for three days, and then uh, he rushes back to Baker Street and says that Fraser has been in to pawn another pendant uh, that is being that is recognized as having been one of Lady Carfax's. Mm-hmm. So. He followed her, as he had been ordered to do by Holmes, Mm. and she ducked into a funeral parlor where she had a conversation with the woman behind the counter who apologized for something being late. Now, Nicholas, I've worked in a funeral parlor. Yes. And let me tell you, 
counters are rare in my experience. <laughs> like there's not, <laughs> like there's not a section where you can just step up and talk to a guy. He's like, come on up. What do you need? Like, right? Like, it's like, all, the, all the tiny coffin models laid out under the glass like a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. This, well, Victorians were a lot more into death in general. Uh, that's a point. so they might have it might have been like that back then i don't that's know a point. also you know what i am uh making mock of the idea of having tiny sample caskets but london was and is a notoriously crowded area and maybe it would make sense to have tiny little caskets on display instead of having a full-sized model in your display room because w- let me tell you now i really want to know w- if that's like I hope that's true. Well, because the one I worked at for Dignity Memorial, um, the the place was huge, and it was huge because coffins are fucking big, dude. Oh, yeah, no, it it would have to be. Yeah. Yeah, so they take up a lot of space when your showroom is full of, like, the deluxe models and similar. So, yeah, maybe this Mm -hmm. was just, like, a little wee shop, and it's like, now don't worry. When you order this, you will be getting (laughs) full-sized corpse box. (laughs) This is not coffin for mouse. This is coffin for person, mm-hmm. but small. Yeah. Oh my. I don't God. know who that was. That sounds like amazing, it. though. I wanna, I wanna be a coffin dealer. No, I don't, because apparently that was not a great job. Uh- <laughs> it was not a, it was not a great job for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because. Uh, I got salesmanship for fucking days, son, but mm. I got the kind of salesmanship where if you come into my shop and you need something, you're going to have a great time and be c- taken care of. Mm-hmm. What I can't do is like, you need to give me 2000 of your dollars, and if you say no initially, I'm going to keep wheedling you until you do. I can't do that. Yeah, That's, not, yeah. I, that is not the programming the good Lord gave Especially me. with, like, death involved i just the funeral yeah. industry is just awful to begin with like it shouldn't it, it shouldn't oh, yeah. be a thing like it's just no i cannot i cannot ever do that in any way um <laughs> i think you and i have spoken uh about smoke gets in your eyes yes yeah we did both read that book yeah. somehow even though randomly we didn't. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> good book listeners called yeah. called smoke gets in your eyes i'll put the uh i'll put the author in the in the pods and ends in the mm-hmm. show description but it's a uh, it is an excellent book by a self-described perky young crematrix from uh, Honolulu, who got into the funeral industry, and it's a it's a great examination of both the inherently toxic relationship that the United States has with death as a concept, mm-hmm. and how the funerary industry itself is fantastically broken. Yeah. Did you know that in most states, there's no law that you have to be embalmed? It's just a thing they want to charge you thousands of dollars for for no reason. Yep. Don't get your people involved. <laughs> Sounds it right. doesn't help them. Yeah, no, it, it's utter, complete waste of money. Uh, yeah, no, that book is excellent. Definitely hard recommend. It's a it's a quick read, too. It's not even that long. It's, yeah, it's super it is easy not, to read. Not, it's, mm. it's written in a really fun style, too, which is odd considering the subject matter. Yeah, but, um, it would kind of yeah. have to be otherwise. It would just be too depressing. <laughs> but it's great. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh he overhears this conversation at the funeral parlor and he lay in wait fraser left and hailed a cab he followed in another cab he literally got in and said follow that cab which is mm-hmm. pretty good follows her to a darkened house where a van arrives and shuttles a coffin inside he wanted to act he really wanted to rush up and mm-hmm. say don't you put that woman in that coffin you put that woman in my arms and then i will yep. put her into my home and then everything will be okay but he has been told not to act by sherlock and more importantly he gets spotted by freezer yeah so he just runs away <laughs> she's just gonna like oh nope 
Uh, I honestly just like real quick gonna just slap down a Huxtable award on this guy specifically for not just utterly tackling that woman in that moment because I probably would have Uh, in his place I would have been like what orders and just taken her out I'm tempted to give him my Huxtable just because I really love the idea of him like creeping around a corner and then (laughs) like Fraser sees him from inside the door and he just he doesn't like try to hide he just runs away he just just peeking over the top of a hedge or something and you just see him like look both ways real quick and then just run. (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah. holding his top hat much more conspicuously than if he had just tried to hide again yeah <laughs> no you know what double huxtable it's yep. official absolutely he just takes <laughs> off his hat and like holds it in front of his face <laughs> yes okay so he gets back to baker street and holmes gives him a note to take to the cops for to procure a warrant uh mm-hmm. green worries about the coffin which is fair <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think we can agree. <laughs> but Holmes says that there's nothing for it just this second uh, because they don't have any evidence yet. There's nothing. There's just nothing to do. So yeah. he sends Green off and then Holmes says he, he turns immediately. And I love this. It's like in the second stain when he's like, hey, Lestrade, you should go talk to that guy. Watson, we got to pull up the rug right now. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. He's like, okay, no, here's what you do. You take this slip of paper. You take this down to the constabulary. You take it to Scotland Yard. You ask to see Greg Lestrade. He knows me. So he's going to help you mm-hmm. get a warrant. Yeah, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. There's nothing else to do right this second. Go, okay, Watson, we gotta go, like, right now. We gotta go right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the second they have uh, Green out of there and they have the um, address they of where these where the couple is, they book it down there. Um, and they just they just ring the doorbell. They're just like, okay, we're here. Ding dong, it's Sherlock Holmes. Um, Grimes, they please. Walk, they, they walk in, and in my opinion, one of the best scenes in the entire canon proceeds to take place. Which is, um, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I didn't write down any of the quotes from it, but I have the page number here. Holy shit. Go for um, it. Yeah, so they, they show up at this guy's house, and Dr. Schlesinger meets them, uh, and he immediately tries to give him the runaround. He's like, oh, you must be at the wrong house, and whatever. And uh, Holmes is like, no, no, I know who you are. You're this guy. No. I know what you've done. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> and <laughs> he just uttered no bullshit whatsoever, uh, yeah. and he says, uh, you are Henry Peters of Adelaide, late, uh, late the Reverend Dr. Schlesinger of Baden and South America. I am sure of that as my own name is Sherlock Holmes. And he's like, all right, well, what are you doing here? You know, you, you don't have anything on me. Like, what can you possibly right. be here for? And Holmes is like, we're here for Lady Frances Carfax. And <laughs> Peters is like, well, I'd be, I'd love to know where she is too. I have no idea. He's just playing. He's just utterly just not giving them anything yep. whatsoever and holmes is just like i mean to find her and i'm going through this house until i do and he's like it's very good where is your they warrant toss the place <laughs> right um i'm just gonna read the whole like little bit right here Go uh, for it. so he says where's your warrant holmes ha- holmes half drew a revolver from his pocket this will serve until yep. a better one comes why you are a cop so- <laughs> why you are a common burglar so you might describe me said holmes cheerfully my companion is also a dangerous ruffian and together we are going through your house <laughs> And, yep. then, and I just, just like to think that when he says that, that Watson just like, oh, me, uh, uh grr. Right. Like, you know, right, yeah. Just, like, Watson just looks at him like, oh, me, that's, that's me. I'm, yeah. It's so good. Intimidating. And also, like, Holmes, Watson doesn't even have his gun right now. I think Holmes, nope. Watson just has a stick and Holmes All has a gun, got. but it's just, they're just like, 
Yeah, it's really good. It's very good. So he, he proceeds <laughs> to storm around the place and be like, where's Lady Francis? You give it to me right now, you bastards. And this guy <laughs> is like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I am mere a preacher returned from a missionary journey. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, then who's in this coffin? Oh, shit, that's not her. So <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they, there is a coffin lying on the kitchen table. And, uh, for, which first of all, creepy. And they, yeah. and Holmes is like, okay, the, obviously this is her. She's in here. She's dead. Uh, this sucks, but we gotta, we gotta make sure. And so they open up the coffin and it's some random old lady. They don't know. It's and, some and other he's like, dead dame. He's like, oh, well, how, that, that is my, that is my well, wife's poor deceased nursemaid who we took in and are now about to bury. Like, good for you for disturbing her. And anyway, are you, are you yeah. good? Are you going to go now? And Holmes is like, what the, what, what is going on? He, he doesn't, He's, he doesn't know. He doesn't know where she is, and it's no. killing him. He feels him. honestly bamboozled. Yeah, he's and like he cannot handle it. Yeah, and uh, while he's going through, while Holmes is going through the house, uh, Doctor Sussinger has his wife call the police. So the police show the up, cops. and the cops, yeah. And so the police show up, and they're like, "Sherlock Holmes, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> you can't be in here. This is not your house." And so they. <laughs> So they, so just Holmes like, like, get out of here, go, shoot, here, we don't want you anymore, <laughs> right, right? Go, and Holmes just scootles out like a raccoon. <laughs> he just like hisses at them and then runs out the door. Uh, <laughs> His eyes narrow. <laughs> and uh, and so Holmes and Watson are escorted from their house, and while, when Holmes they're out, the Hendersons. And, and, and so they get outside and the police are like, okay, you're Sherlock. Like, you, you obviously must have a good reason for him being in right. there. If you need our help, let us know. Uh, anyway, and Holmes is like, yeah, I'm waiting like on a laws, dog. Yeah, and, like, like, sorry. You know, uh, so it's kind of, that was also really funny. Um, they were just like, uh, Sherlock Holmes? Uh, yeah, we know who this guy is. Don't worry. Um, and we know of him. Um, so yeah, they, Holmes and Watson are kind of like, at that point, they can't really do anything else without There's the warrant. This is the first they time Holmes stalled. has been stopped by not having a warrant in my memory. Um, but. Which is interesting. Um, I, and, it, and it really, it shows just how deeply rattled he was. Uh, yeah. By not finding the corpse he expected to. Right. And, and usually also, like, true, he doesn't usually have a warrant, but he also doesn't usually need one. Usually, if he doesn't right. have one, there's some way, he already has a plan to get what he needs to get done, done. But in this case, it's kind of just like, he doesn't know. He straight up doesn't know. He goes yeah. back to Baker Street, stays up all night, racking his brain, yep. smoking 800 cigarettes, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out yep. what is gonna happen and then i think he wakes up watson either in the middle of the night or at some ungodly hour in the morning the only two times watson ever gets woken up by holmes um of holmes just like clearly not having slept and being like oh no he holmes wakes him up the next morning at like half an hour before the funeral for the uh lady is about to take place because they inquire earlier at the undertaker when the funeral is going to be uh because holmes knows it's something to do with uh or he th- he doesn't know he d- he doesn't really know exactly but no but he, he, see, he sees out. the pieces he doesn't know quite how they fit together but he knows yeah. there's some fuckery going on here and like he says he has Watson go check and he says Watson your appearance inspires confidence and then just goes <laughs> asks, like Watson go you know go ply a little of that army charmy <laughs> right like Watson you're not as creepy looking as, as creepy looking as I am <laughs> like yeah you're not well, as love you. clearly coked out of your gourd as I am so if you could. <laughs> And there, the great thing too is like canonically, there's a theme of 
if there's like a young lady or someone who they need evidence out of, Holmes will send Watson over there. He'll be like, yep. you, you get women. Uh, you can get, tell, charm this lady and tell her how you. And it's like, Holmes you can do it. He just, game. he's like, oh, Watson's, Watson's good looking. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, it's great. He just totally uses him as like a tool to get what he needs sometimes. It's, it's awesome. very good. <laughs> just throw but, that Watson candy at the ladies till you get what you need. If, if you got a hot friend, sometimes they're good if for that. I don't know. <laughs> long, let them be right? useful. Absolutely. So, so yeah. Um, they they figure out when the funeral is going to be. They go back to Baker Street. Half an hour before the funeral is supposed to happen, Holmes has a brain blast. Wakes up Watson. Watson, we gotta go. We brain gotta go blast. catch. We gotta catch that coffin. Um. I'm so. T- <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Casey this episode, apparently. (laughs) I was not prepared for the one-two punch of a Jimmy Neutron boy genius (laughs) and catch that coffin in the same (laughs) sentence. I just kept going. I was like, oh, I don't know where this streak came from, but I'm gonna ride the tiger champ by all means. So, so they run, uh, they they gotta catch the coffin. They run to where the funeral's gonna take place. And Holmes literally, like, they, they get there and Holmes, like, uh, uh, Dr. Schlesinger tries to stop him. Holmes puts his hand on Dr. Schlesinger's chest or the, yep. the pallbearer or whatever. And is like, nope, you're not taking this anywhere else. We have to open this right now. And, um, I think they go back. It's, I, it was kind of unclear to me. Do they do it right there in the graveyard or do they go oh, no, back they to the house? Open. It was, I don't think it even got to, yeah, it was at the house. Mm-hmm. They were burying the coffin out. Oh, they're about the to leave the house. Okay. Got it. I thought exactly. they were like already at the, okay. That makes way more and sense. And they rushed up and Holmes mm-hmm. says, fucking stop it. Uh-uh. Stop this right now. All of this. And he's tossing screwdrivers left and right. And he <laughs> yeah. says a gold sovereign. If this thing is open in under a minute's time. And like, again, he doesn't have a warrant. The he doesn't. Warrant he's just doing this. Stated, yeah, exactly. He talked to Scotland Yard, and they said, well, we can get you a warrant, but it's probably going to be after the funeral. And right, they're like, oh, yeah, the guy who writes that. the warrant already went home, so you got to wait till the yeah, next morning. Exactly. And Holmes is like, we cannot, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So he goes there, and they just listen to him. They just do it. They just do, yeah. He's like, I'm sure, like, Holmes, just do it. Uh, and, yeah, they just do it. Uh, I think, well, the bribery probably helps. Um, <laughs> probably, yeah. So, so they pry this thing open like the corpse clam it is, and inside is Lady Carfax herself. She is mummified, wrapped up in chloroform-soaked bandages, and it takes half an hour, but they managed to revive her. It was touch and go for a little piece, but what had appeared to transpire mm-hmm. was that this coffin was extra big. It was extra deep. It had two layers, layer... It had space enough for two corpses. It was a bunk casket. Double-decker casket. Yeah. So they, it was a double-decker. So what they had planned to do was the legitimate corpse lady was in there who, mm-hmm. I mean, they checked on that. They, this lady was legitimate. She's actually like, dead. Checked yeah. out of the... Yeah, and they were and gonna, it's fucked up uh, because it wasn't actually he. T- he lied about the nursemaid thing too. This was literally just yeah. some random old senile it was lady, some poor lady that they took out of a work hospital and was like, and she's gonna die soon anyway, die. and just let yeah. her die in their house, and then just for the excuse of having a body to bury because they can't just bury an empty casket. That's weird. Exactly. There has to be a body a in there, and so, so yeah, like not only did they do that. But they also attempted to murder Lady Frances Carfax, almost succeeded, because she was nearly, Correct. she was this close to being, that like, the pinching finger emoji, that close <laughs> to um, being dead from chloroform slash suffocating. Uh, yep. But she does survive. Uh, they do manage to save her, but uh, the 
I think because Holmes doesn't have a warrant, there's no cops there. It's literally just him trying to save this lady's yeah. life. Um, and, uh, the, the couple gets away. They, they disappear during yeah, this they make whole good their escape. thing. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, that's kind of, it kind of just so ends there. It was a there. double, double yeah. coffin. And yeah, that's, that's really the end of it. And like this, this story was a lot of fun. It was really rompy and bouncy, uh, kind of like a the ride. Six Napoleons. Yeah. yeah, and like the Six Napoleons, it took a really dark turn, but stayed really lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And like, even at the end, like, I'm not a doctor, and I'm beginning to wonder if Doyle was too. Because, like, he, <laughs> like, technically, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that anyone who was wrapped in chloroform soaked rags and locked in an airtight casket for any amount of time would probably be pretty, pretty irreversible brain damage due to lack of oxygen, right? Right, and I'm like, okay, so she was obviously in there for at least overnight. There's no, there's no way. Even, there, there's nothing, no, it's, it's nothing. Even if also, they had put her in that morning, I think it still would have, they, they would have, though, because no. they would have had to, no, it, she, she would have been in. But nothing about it adds up. For no. the sake of the story, happy ending. Um, it's almost fine. happy ending. They did and get away, which pissed me off. <laughs> but it was a real nightmare for me to read, let me tell you, because <laughs> I am, I am not a claustrophobic person. I don't have trouble in small rooms or elevators or anything like that. I was mm-hmm. the kid who hung out under his bed reading books in the fourth grade. But like, mm-hmm. uh, having my movement restricted oh, just yeah. triggers some animal thing mm, in me. Yeah. I, I cannot physically abide it. And so the Too idea scary. of live live burial is uh, pretty literally my idea of hell. And so oh, yeah. Horrific. A, yeah, and just that yeah. she was bound up and mummified in rags designed to keep her complete. I mean, like, best case scenario, she would have just suffocated and never regained consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. yeah. Chloroform so, knocks you out pretty, not as quickly as it appears in the movies but it does knock you out no. pretty quickly uh so she would be unconscious and then dead which is honestly not the worst way to go it's good and, work if you can get it yeah and Holmes says these people don't they're not known for murdering people they're more just like take all your money and run they're not stabby types yeah but this was the first time they did get murdered which also made it frustrating for me that they escaped because I'm like, yeah. what? Like, is, was Doyle planning to use them again? Maybe? Maybe he was like, well, I had Maybe. to bring Holmes back. Who knows how long I'll have to keep writing him. He <laughs> I does might that as well. a lot. Like, these yeah. one-off characters who just get just, just get shaken off and led off the scene. Then. And it would be really cool to see more of them come back. Yeah. Like these cats. I want to see I want to see them trying to revenge themselves upon Holmes. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, especially past that, for, past the first few pages, this just starts, this story just starts... It goes up like a roller coaster and just keeps going and till yeah. the end basically it's really fast. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I liked it. I, 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 I liked it a lot. Th- what I remembered about this story came back really quickly and it was just super fun, uh, rereading it. it I, was dope. yeah. I do want to change my Huxtable though. Okay. I want to change it to the lady who works at the, uh, the funeral parlor who, <laughs> yeah. Who has to deal with, cause, cause Fraser comes in and she's like, well, where's the special coffin we ordered? And she's like, well, it'll be here when it's here. And like, as a customer service person who frequently gets sassed at for things that are completely beyond his control. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I vibed hard with that. But more to the point is like, this lady was sitting there like, 
The other we've got the uh, I don't know why this is a Russian family owned funeral parlor, but apparently it is. You're <laughs> like, well, we've got this double white coffin coming in later. I guess they must be burying someone who is very fat, but only in one direction. So yeah. they run <laughs> wide, but they like it's just, <laughs> yeah. Because how could you not wonder what a double tall coffin? Because it was regular width, but it was double tall. Right. You would have to, and it's like you would assume that they're like, oh well, my poor uh, nursemaid, this old lady, and then you picture an old lady who's small, and you're like. Like, wait, right? What? <laughs> Why do you need what? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, we also have a lot of packing peanuts we need to get rid of. So we thought, you know, just, you know, th- those two birds, pose, one right? coffin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this, yeah, so this story was fun. It's uh, other than it the idea of being buried alive. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a fuel. whole story about it. It was so scary. Uh, yeah, it's no, true. that's yeah, cool, classic uh, terror element to the story there, and yeah. Very good. I liked it a lot. Much well, less plot holes um, than the regular uh, Sherlock Holmes story, but still there. Don't worry. Why did Holmes? Yeah. Why was Holmes in a disguise for no reason? What? Uh, why didn't she die? Yeah, literally, she should have died. But glad she didn't. Why but. didn't? Why didn't Doyle simply have uh, that note that Holmes handed to Green? Uh, why didn't that note simply say, "Don't go to the police. Actually, sneak into this house when we go there and rescue her under cover of night when we go away because we don't have a warrant." Yeah, there you go. Well, I don't know if he knew that she was in there at that point, but still, mm. I don't know. It was it was the power it's of Sherlock. love. He gambles first and thinks later. <laughs> it was the power of love keeping her alive in that coffin somehow. That's fair. Yeah, it was there the power go. of love. I'll allow it. He was so... loose and the news knew what was up. <laughs> so, let's open up the can in here. Oh, I yeah. did want to say uh, just briefly that I was listening to the Watsonian Weekly mm-hmm. and Brad uh, Kiefhofer. Nope, that's not true. I was listening to the Watsonian Weekly, but this was actually a, bl- a blog post uh, that mm. Brad did. Yeah. And it turns out we were right. Uh, in the empty house, there was that detective who was near the crime scene who we thought seemed like the Dracula from mm-hmm. the uh, retired colorist. Uh, Barker was his name, who was... Mm. Um, Holmes's, what did he call him? His West Coast nemesis or something like that. That was seriously him? That was really? that dude. Dude! Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Doyle just... Yeah, Brad did some just research. Just threw that in for fun or... Yeah, I guess. He showed <laughs> up in a couple other stories and Brad did some research on it, which was really cool. So go... Oh my go god, I gotta to read that. Indian Weekly. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Alright. Well, let's see what we're reading next I time. I love that. Let's it's like a Where's Waldo. Here. Got my D's 100. Mm-hmm. Not the uh, the sexy ones with seashells in. Oh, that was in the pre-show. Listeners, my mother, for my birthday, <laughs> sent me some dice that have tiny seashells inside them. It's the coolest fucking thing ever, and they're mine. You can't have them. So let's <laughs> see. I'm going to go ahead and roll these. Uh, 41. We do not have 41 left. 41 halved and rounded is number 20. We are reading 1903's the Norwood Builder. Okay, cool. I love this one. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Say no more. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, for next week, your home's work, go ahead and read The Norwood Builder. Uh, please do find us on Twitter at The Final Podblum. We would love to hear from you and hear about your coffin experiences. Uh, if you should care to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash semi-automagic, which is the name of our podcast network. And if you should care to fling us five bucks a month, you can get the episodes most of a week early when editing time and schedules permit, and also mm-hmm. uh, the pre-shows where we talk about stuff before we start the episode. Today's pre-show uh, was probably the longest we've ever done. I believe it was a solid hour, and we talked a lot about why a literature and what makes different kind of bikes different. So, yeah. well worth your money. And backstory. Uh, pl- 
and backstory yeah friendship backstory so please <laughs> please do at us we would love to hear from you until then go ahead and read the norwood builder uh go ahead and listen to the watsonian weekly where they talk about every watson you can possibly imagine and until then all our buddies uh cover your mouth if you're gonna be coughing I Get guess it? Cause yeah, because coffin. Yeah, I. But yeah. it's also good advice because there's an airborne pandemic that's burning through the globe as we speak. Always good to just just be careful out there. Wherever you want to get one of those cough masks, like you you might Do look it. silly, but you could draw a little smiley face on it. It's fine. Just wear it. You're protecting everybody. You You're could draw Dracula yourself. fangs. You can. Yeah. There's so uh, many options. Wash your hands. Wash your hands very thoroughly. So um, much, even, all the time. See, here's here's the thing. The coronavirus is not apparently especially dangerous to the average able-bodied person but if you have asthma like yourself or if you are immunocompromised or have other some sort of respiratory anything it can fuck your shit up real bad yeah so for the sake of other people uh please do wash your hands and try not to contract it even if you think it won't hit you especially hard because it is very transmissible so it's not just about you people it's about everybody else around you and uh mm-hmm. i don't want this to be the stupid way our species go out our species is going to go out <laughs> in a stupid way no matter what i think we can no matter what. that yeah but let's let's try to stave that off viruses so cliche can. come on <laughs> come on it's so we gotta we gotta do something better something better yeah. asteroid let's get um know. yeah something let's see. Oh, yeah. although there is an asteroid i believe i read that in the news it's coming at us very quickly wasn't it, wasn't it like i i did i did read i didn't read anything about an asteroid but i did see something about earth having like a second moon for a second there was Correct. a rock out there about the size of a car and it was like yes. oh earth has a second moon but it's like leaving the atmosphere so it doesn't really matter but it's still kind of yep. like we had two moons for a second there yeah the moon has <laughs> a small girlfriend it's very good <laughs> so go and read all that at us uh we'd love to hear from you and i already did my sign off joke uh and it's the only thing i could think of and then we just kept talking nick and the show I am ending the show in a pensive mood and I would like to give all of my readers, the readers, listeners, um, the advice of speaking of the moon, look at the moon. Just look at the moon. Do it. Just if you, look if you, moon. if it's a clear sky, go ahead and just step outside, take a good look. Not too long, look but, uh, just look it's at the moon. It's the very same moon that every human ever has ever looked at. Anytime you mm-hmm. read a book and it mentions the moon, any moon that's ever mentioned in a song, unless it is Shakespeare looked at that moon or IO. Your or... favorite celebrity probably looked at that moon. Jeremy Brett exactly. himself at one point, I'm sure looked at the moon and probably yes. showed his dog the moon too and said, look at that. Uh, look at the yep. moon. So just take thank you for listening. that, knowing that we're all looking at the same moon and we're all there together. Thank you, all our buddies. We love you. Goodbye. Next time. Did you Did you know that Count Dracula rented a place? the The place that Count Dracula rented was Carfax Abbey. I don't know anything about Dracula, but that was in my edition notes. So. <laughs> they were like the name Carfax might be familiar to you and I was like it's not but go on and they were like well Count Dracula lived at Carfax Abbey and the, and I was like alright <laughs> sure that's the wildest <laughs> shit I've ever heard in yeah. my life also that Dracula lived in an abbey and that he rented sense. it <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if you're a Dracula if you're a Nosferatu, you see, you would, it would be easy to think that owning would really be the better way to go, but this way I'm not responsible for, for maintenance and upkeep. And when it's a castle, oh boy, the gardening bills. <laughs> and all the blood stains also on the carpet, it's purposes. like that guy's not getting his deposit back. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> really not. But no, it's, it's going to pay for itself. Trust me, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>